Good morning on this Lord's Day. I'm Pastor Eric Samborski. I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. We are local here in the Wyoming Valley, the Wilkes-Barre area. And what we're trying to do is looking to start small groups to talk about spiritual matters and look at the Bible together. We are trying to be disciples ourselves and make disciples. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like and follow us for video content of teaching and preaching. If you need something, I just want you to email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com, or you can give us a call at 570-362-7782. Everybody's looking to give their life to something. We're trying to give our lives over to a cause that's greater than ourselves, and God's resistance is the most satisfying and the most important cause that we could give ourselves to. Last week, I talked about resisting the devil. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's the god of this world. He's the king over this world system. Today, we're going to be talking about that world system and how that world system is opposed to God. So let's listen in on today's briefing. There are certain things in life that are benign, the simple, wholesome joys of life. There's also a kingdom and a system of darkness. And this kingdom and system of darkness is the battleground for your soul and for your allegiance. This world and its system is not a friend to Christ. After all, they crucified him. This world is not a friend to grace. It's not a friend to grace in a saved sinner's heart. That saved sinner condemns the world by its very action, and the world's hatred is hurled towards the grace in a saved sinner's heart. If they hated Christ, They'll hate any that link themselves with him. The reproach that fell on Christ will fall on you if you're his. That brings me to a scripture verse found in James chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Those are pretty strong words. Let's talk about this world. What is the world as the Bible defines it here? Is it this round globe that you and I live on? Is it this earth? Are we supposed to hate this earth? No, that was a creation of God himself. We're talking about a system, an atmosphere, a kingdom. It is a system of values. It's a system of ambitions. It's a worldview. The world is an aggregate of human desires without God as the center. In other words, the world is humanism. It is how we live life without God. Satan is the ruler of this world system. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, we're told, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Ephesians 2.2 says, Where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. 
So there is a system. He is the prince of the power of the air. And that spirit of the devil is currently working in the children of disobedience. In other words, those that are not saved and walking with God that have had a radical transformation of heart, they are a part of this kingdom of darkness. And that spirit, the spirit of the devil himself that controls all of this is working in their hearts. This world panders to three things. 1 John 2:16 reads, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. The world system panders to this. Think about the lust of the flesh for a moment. What is the lust of the flesh? It's inordinate desires. Desires in and of themselves aren't wrong, but the kind of desires we have and how we fulfill them, that gives a moral value. So it's inordinate desires. These desires against the law of nature and of nature's God. Some examples to help this make sense to us is the sex desire. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. However, when it is against the law of nature and nature's God, you find that it goes towards pornography or sexual intimacy outside of marriage and all the exploitation of sex that we find through Hollywood and media that just abounds everywhere, that inordinate lust of the flesh. In other words, the lust of the flesh can basically be summed up as the basest of animal desires. It's not the highest desire, the highest good, but the basest part of our person. And then going against the law of God, drunkenness would fall into this category also. Then there's the lust of the eyes. And I think it's safe to say the lust of the eyes is covetousness. Looking at things, desiring them, riches, nice things, fineries. There's nothing necessarily wrong with having good quality belongings. But the lust of the eyes is, as the Proverbs say, it's like the pit of hell. You can keep feeding it and it's never full. It's always hungry. The lust of the eyes works and slaves to get riches of which it cannot get enough. And the whole life is marked with this covetous desire to gain more, 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 more. That's the world system, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. And the last thing is the pride of life. And the pride of life is this, that desire for honor, the desire for that special title on my name, doctor, uh, reverend, you know, senator, whatever. And I'm not saying that those titles are inherently wrong in and of themselves, but it's that desire of heart, the pride of life, your family ties, who your mom and dad is, or your grandparents. And because of that, you're somehow more important than the rest of society. The pride of life is who you know, because who you know makes you way more important. It's that pride of, well, look what I've done and what I've accomplished. In a sense, it's the desire of praise from people. And there's nothing wrong with wanting people to like you, but there's something so cancerous about that desire to have people praise you that that is the thing that controls your life rather than principle. That's what this world system panders to. Albert Barnes said it like this. As far as the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life, if those things are the great and leading object of life, when it is sought without any connection with religion or reference to the world to come, that's what God is against. Proverbs 14, 12 through 13 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, 
but the end thereof are the ways of death. Even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful, and the end of that mirth is heaviness. This is the most shallow reason to live. It fills the heart with pity if this is all that we are alive for. All of the fashion of this world will perish. This scripture in James 4.4 talks about a friendship with the world. It uses these two terms, adulterers and adulteresses. So that that goes for men or women. It implies that while we say we are married to God or that we want to be faithful to God and walk with him, we are unfaithful to him by desiring a world that is vehemently opposed to him. The world is not opposed to the picture they've made of God, but they're opposed rather to the true God as he's revealed himself in fullness in the Bible and through his son, Jesus Christ. Friendship with the world looks like a desiring of the world's goods without restraint. If you look in Job chapter 21, 11 through 15, we read, They send forth their little ones like a flock, and their children dance. They take the timbrel and harp and rejoice at the sound of the organ. They spend their days in wealth and in a moment go down to the grave. Therefore they say unto God, Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what profit should we have if we pray unto him? That sums it up pitifully. When you feel more at home with the values of society and its interests than you do with God, then you are a friend of the world, friendly with the world. You court its pat on the back. You court its company. You invite its entertainments. You invite its filth. You're at home with its filth, and it dulls you spiritually because you are fat and drunk on this world's dainties and prefer it that way. Friendship with the world also manifests itself in a desire to not want to be separated unto God, but you have the itch to fit in with the world. 1 Samuel 8, 19-20, we read, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, that is, the people of God. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. It's so easy to just abandon the simplicity of the gospel, and it results in trying to do God's will with the methods and the ambitions of the world. That's why it should be such a horror to a Christian to have a worship service that sounds much like what you could pay a ticket and go to a concert for. God's not interested in us trying to make things flash, bang, boom, trying to make a big show of all things. He wants reality. And I think sometimes we pander to the world and we try to have our rock bands and we try to dress like the world. We try to do things like the world because we have that itch in us to fit in rather than stick out. And God tells us to separate ourselves from the world and from all uncleanness. And then he'll call us children and he'll be our God. To wear the name of Christ and to be all for him is more of a shame than a privilege. If that's the case, then you are in friendship with the world. Friendship with the world could be summed up like this from John 12, 43. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. In case you've just tuned in, You are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, 
the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. We're told that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Now, that word enmity is not something that you and I use in everyday language in this present day, but let me define that for you. Enmity literally means hostility. You're at war. You are in rebellion. You are at hatred. So what the scripture verse is telling us is the world is at war with God and opposed to all that he is. And if you are the world's friend, then you join the world's side with hostility towards God. And the enmity that the world has for God is seen so cuttingly. In John chapter 1, the 10th verse, speaking about Christ, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. The world didn't even know who Christ was. The maker of all existence was there in flesh on the earth, and they didn't even know him, nor did they even want to know him. Proverbs 15, 21 says, Folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom, but a man of understanding walketh uprightly. Folly here means foolishness or immorality. It's not just, oh, he's a silly person. You're silly or foolish because of the immoral life that you live. Those that are friends with this world, they live foolishly. You may say, well, I know some very wise and sober atheists. They don't believe in God, and yet they live some pretty upstanding lives, and they don't give themselves over to drunkenness and debauchery and all the filth of this world, and yet they don't believe in God, and they still live such a high life. The thing is, those would still be living for this world, and it's foolishness to live for this world in light of eternity, because when you leave God out of the picture, then you're still living for yourself and you're still living for the benefits of this life and you're still living by the maxims of this world, even though you may be living better than some others that are also living in this world. True wisdom would prepare for an existence in eternity and conduct yourself in such a way to secure a desirable eternity. Isaiah 22.13 says, Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we shall die. This carries the idea that we only have one life, so let's just live it up and enjoy it. There's no consequences for my actions. I'll just do what feels good right now. All this is crazy, as God says in Ecclesiastes 3.11. It's God says he hath set the world in their heart. If you look in a lexicon, which helps us understand what an original Greek word means in English, it literally means eternity. He hath set eternity in every person's heart. Every soul knows that there is a forever after this life. So the philosophy, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. If that is your watchword, then you are at enmity with God. Matthew chapter 10 verses 38 through 39 
Jesus said, and he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. So finding his life in this verse and in this context means trying to secure all the comforts and everything you need for this life, and that's the only reason you're living. I'm not saying that you and I don't need to make a living. We don't need to take care of our families and have a shelter over our head and trying to live a decent life. That, that's not what's being talked about here, but living for this life. You're so concerned about everything in this life that that's all you live for. We're told that a person who lives like that will lose their life. You're trying to preserve and grasp your life, and in all that effort, you're actually losing your life. What is he talking about? You're losing your life because you've lost sight of eternity. You're not living for the world that comes after that never ends. This world here is just 75 years on average, and then you're gone, but then there's a forever after this. We need to be living with eternity in view. Matthew 16, 26 through 27, Jesus said, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. In other words, you can build an empire here on earth, but you cannot take it with you to the grave. It is vanity in the end if it's not done for a higher eternal purpose. For 2 Corinthians 4.18 tells us, the things which are seen are temporal or temporary, but the things which are not seen, those things are eternal. Don't live for this life. Don't live to just build up a great name for yourself and build up tremendous amount of wealth don't live for that. It'll poison your soul. If that's what you're living for, then you are under this category of being at enmity with God. You are hostile towards him and warring against him. Luke 8.14 says, and Jesus was saying in Luke 8.14, and that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. This is a parable where Jesus was talking about a farmer that sows seeds. Some falls by the wayside, uh, some falls in rocky soil, some falls in thorny soil, and some falls on good soil. And he was talking about the way people hear the word of God. And in this verse, in Luke 8.14, he was saying that the people that are the soil where the thorns are, the word of God is choked in them because of their cares for riches and pleasures of this life. And he said, the result is that you bring forth no fruit to perfection. You don't become that man or that woman God wants you to be in all holiness and truth and righteousness. God's truth through his word is choked out by friendship with the world. You have become hostile toward God doing so. 1 John 2.16, which I mentioned earlier, says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. This is very explicit and frank. If you are living for this world, and you are a friend of this world, he's already told us this world is not of the Father. 
the lust of the flesh, the lust in the eyes, and the pride of life. This is not of God. And so that's very explicit for us to realize. Don't attach ourselves to this because this God is opposed to. 1 Corinthians 7.31, we're told, And they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. This verse helps us to realize that we do need to live in this world. We do need to work. We do need to provide, but don't abuse this world. The fashion of this world is going to pass away in certainty. It will not last forever. 2 Peter 3.10, we're told, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. This world is passing away. If you have found yourself in any of what I've just been talking about, then you are at enmity with God. You are hostile toward him, at war with him. And the reason that God tells us these things is not so that you can just feel bad, but that you can be alarmed and repent. All of this helps us to understand the reason why, if we're going to join this great resistance, we must resist the world. Romans 12.2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This world is a bondage that puts us to sleep, that puts us in a slumber all the way to our eternal death. That constant pressure to go with the flow is just battering on the ship, our ship, our vessel, our human body, our mind and our heart, that constant pressure to go with the flow. Anything that is worth doing in life is hard and takes effort. So just because it seems like it's hard to resist this world, we shouldn't give up because people give themselves to things that are hard in every facet of this world and all of its ambitions, and they're willing to take on that hardship and to endure it because of the goal ahead. Do the same for that eternity which is ahead. Go against the flow. Break out of the mold of this world. Don't be conformed to it, this verse tells us. Be transformed. How do I do that? The renewing of my mind. How do I renew my mind? You must soak in the scriptures daily. It must be the highest priority of your life to read the Bible and to pray every day. Otherwise, you will be lean. You could backslide and end up losing your soul. We must soak in the scriptures to renew our mind because the pressure of the world is constantly upon us. And if we continue to keep in God's word, then we can more easily repel those things that God hates. Why do we need to be transformed? This verse tells us to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And if we can prove that, the masses of people around us are blinded and you are their only witness to a godly life. You are the only witness to the existence of a God in glorious majesty. 2 Timothy 3, 2-7, we read, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, 
having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We must resist the world so that we're not swallowed up. Why? Titus 2.12 says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. The only way to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world is to resist the world and its hostility towards God. 1 Peter 1.14, we're told, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. If we're God's children, then we're to be different. We're to be transformed. We are a new creature. We used to be ignorant, but we're now awake and we're full of light and we need to fashion ourselves as obedient children and not go with the flow of this world. We need to resist the world. We're also told in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, I'm going to skip one of the parts of the verse in there because we've repeated it so often, but it says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So we need to resist the world because it's passing away, because it's not of the Father. And the one that resists the world and lives for God lives forever and won't pass into the fire with the God-hating world, according to this verse. We also need to have mastery over the world uh, in ourself first so that we can save others from it. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier, so that you may enlist and join in the greatest battle and resistance effort to please the Lord of hosts. Worldliness is first a spirit that results in actions, habits, and behavior. It's not just what things look like, but it is a worldview, a belief system, a philosophy. And we have to understand that it's at the core that we need to take care of this. Jesus said, don't live for this world and all its cares. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all that will be added to you. He told us to watch over our hearts so that we're not overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life. So when he comes back, we're surprised. We're told that if we're born of God, then we overcome the world. And the victory that overcomes the world is our faith in Jesus Christ. He told us if we were of the world, the world would love us. But the world doesn't love us because we're not of this world if we're a Christian. We've got to set our affections on things that are above. We have to have that pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father. Amongst one thing is to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. So will you resist the world in yourself? Will you snatch others from the fire of this passing world? Jude tells us, and of some have compassion making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Are you a part of this world system or are you resisting it and walking with God? Please tune in next Sunday at 9 a.m. for God's resistance. If you'd like a copy of this broadcast, 
or if you need someone to talk to or you need someone to pray with, please contact us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. We are local here in the Wyoming Valley and in the Wilkes-Barre area. We are trying to be disciples and make disciples. Now join the resistance, God's resistance. A special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.